Hello, and welcome back to A Political Coming of Age. I'm Amelia, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Welcome back for episode two. We're so excited to be back and better than ever. Um, Forgive us because we are slightly jet-lagged. We probably have a collective two hours of sleep (laughs) with both of us. Um, Within the last, like, 48 hours, like the last two days. We both just got off planes from Europe, and you guys, I know how that sounds, but... We're really just making the most of our last summer. Europe, ha- we had to go to. <laughs> yeah, um, we only have one summer together, Scarlett. One summer left. Well, in one LA. summer left in LA. Kind of sad. Kind of bittersweet. I mean, I guess we come back from college and come back to LA. Yeah. And can we'll travel. reunite at Coachella in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do you think that I don't even? I'm not going to talk about that. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Coachella that's another episode (laughs) yeah that's another episode the song um but Scarlett and I have had a pretty wild day today Mm -hmm. one would say the worst day of our Mm -hmm. lives one of the worst day of our days of our lives I mean we've just been so unlucky we first got in a car accident thank god we're both okay and the other person was okay but Scarlett and I a few hours ago were sitting down to record and all of a sudden wanted some espresso you know we wanted a latte so we were like let's go get a coffee fuel us up for our episode and on our way there a truck backs into scarlet's car yes a truck did hit us and i will say you know we were both gone for like a month in europe so did i forget how to drive yes but was it my fault you guys no i was literally my car was not moving and a truck just rammed into me like I was rear-ended except from the front. Um, that sounds kind of weird, you guys. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it was very traumatizing. Um, it was I'm really- not living up to the stereotype that teenage girls are bad drivers because in no way was it my fault. But this should serve as a testament to our dedication to this podcast, you guys. 100%. I mean, it was really scary. I think we're fine. We're, we were kind of... Sh- shaken shooken up i don't know her dad is currently in the room next door on the phone with like triple a or the car repair people i'm not sure something like that i'm clearly not enough of an adult to figure out how to call triple a myself i called my dad and i was like help i've been in a car accident (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then actually so we get back we sort of settle down for a second and like collect ourselves after that accident which is pretty scary and so we're all good we're like okay let's just record so we record we record a banging episode it was so best episode i've never heard a better podcast in my life same i was like when we ended it was this crazy feeling of euphoria like scarlet stood up and we gave each other a huge high five it was just amazing we were so proud Mm -hmm. so happy and then i go to download it to my computer it had been eaten by the cloud I'm not even kidding you guys. It was literally slurped away by the cloud. The cloud slurped up our best podcast episode ever. The best podcast episode ever. So basically we're now here. Sun has gone down recording this episode again for the second time after also having a close to death experience. So yeah, and sleeping two hours in the last like couple days. I would honestly say... My creative juices are flowing yeah. and I'm ready to go though, you know? It's Yeah. So here we are, jet lagged, post car accident, you know, fresh, ready to record, ready to bring you guys some entertainment. Um 
but definitely shows dedication. I mean, we really do love this pod. It's only our second episode, but I really love it. It's a lot of We fun. have a lot of interesting things to talk about today. Um, I'm very excited still to talk about everything. As we mentioned in the previous episode, we are both seniors in high school. Um, Amelia is 18, I'm 17, and we're kind of on the brink of adulthood. You know yeah. what? Like, we're about to go off to college. We're about to face a lot of new responsibilities. Um, so we wanted to reflect on some things that we found to be prevalent throughout our years as teenage girls. Yeah, and it's sort of, I mean, it's definitely scary that we're going into womanhood and adulthood. My 18th birthday was like a few weeks ago, and it was a scary day. Like, it was really unsettling. It left me with a bad taste in my mouth. It's like, <laughs> you know... I, I'm no longer, I don't know, it freaked me out. I guess I'm still the same and like I'm still in high school, but it was a weird experience. And I think that being a teenage girl, well, Scarlett and I have experienced so much together through our teenage years. We have. We have been there for each other through braces, through acne, through superstars, leggings lululemon leggings oh brandy melville crop tops air forces what were, what were the other shoes that we wore stan smith stan smith's they oh my gotta god make an adidas x west side of la middle school or collab honestly oh, we were probably funding indeed we were like the the we were funding adidas more than anyone else in the world i remember i used to treat um kendall jenner's street style outfits on pinterest as it was my bible i would go in there every day and i would see her wearing high-waisted lululemon leggings and stan smith's and i was like this is it epitome of fashion so you know amelia and i have been through it all together we We, really have we really have and we were having this discussion the other day i tweeted the other day i want to be a teenage girl forever um and I we, we were talking about this and that like being a teenage girl is really a unique and special thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's unique because I think that unique ref- um, sort of means that not that many people experience it when half the population does experience no. it. <laughs> but I feel like particularly like you're in this stage of your life that's Definitely. like you're facing all these new things. You have these new freedoms um and you're like on the brink of becoming a woman and i think of course there are a lot of pros and cons um we don't have to pay taxes we don't have a mortgage um exactly and i think that there have definitely been pros and cons like there have definitely been some hard parts that we've been through you know mean girls girl drama boys all of that i mean high school high school grades in general college all of this has been hard yeah we're we're thinking about our futures um and i think there's a lot of when i say like being a teenage girl is unique i mean that like i think there are some unique experiences that we're going through right now and one of them being coming to terms with male attention i think it's probably embarrassing to say but i can say that like when you're like in your younger teenage years it's like you start to get male attention you're like oh my gosh wow this is so cool mm-hmm. but like then you start to realize like oh this kind of is a lot <laughs> like yeah um, it, it goes downhill very quickly yeah and so that's kind of our topic for today um we're going to be talking about the male gaze which i think is something that has probably accelerated us like i think that la ages you really fast but I think it's probably the male gaze like is a part of something that forces you to grow up really fast. Um, 
Amelia, do you want to define the male gaze for us really fast? I would love to, Scarlett. Thank you. Well, okay. So the male gaze is basically the concept, a concept that was first developed by, sorry if I butcher this, but Laura Mulvey. That wasn't that hard. In her 1975 essay, Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema. And the term originated as a film studies term. It was centered around how women were perceived by men and more more specifically by the cinematographers in movies and television, sort of how they are portrayed in the media and in movies and in art. Right. So under this feminist theory, um, Mulvey's idea is that women are objectified and fetishized on camera for male pleasure and viewer appeal. Um, But obviously this concept has broadened um, and now in like the modern day, the Oxford Dictionary defines the male gaze as the perspective of a notionally typical heterosexual man considered as embodied in the audience or intended audience for films and other visual media characterized by a tendency to objectify or sexualize women. Um, so you can see how this kind of this kind of niche concept actually has translated into real life yeah because the male gaze basically sees the female body as something for the heterosexual male which when we say heterosexual male we mean patriarchal society as a whole um to watch conquer and possess and use to further their goals exactly so this sort of this term and this theory completely translates into real life as it's perpetuated this cycle you know this cycle that men only are viewing women as sexual beings and in their sexual nature whatever and do not view women as you know real human beings and that that their appearance is just there to please them it sort of just perpetuates this terrible cycle that I think that all women experience all women have experienced the effects of the male gaze Mm mm-hmm and I want to focus in kind of on the crossover of how this how this concept originated within film um, but has translated into real life because it really extends from film to any medium in which women are portrayed as well as generally to their experience in real life. So obviously we see this in art, music, television, movies. Um, and then I think that eventually this kind of manifests in our own lives as people are constantly consuming these forms of media and they begin to pick up on and copy these behaviors and views views towards women. Um, This idea that they're only worth their looks and their sexual appeal. Exactly. And I think that that has had a really big societal effect. And I think that this concept and this experience that is so widely experienced by women around the world um, has been really hard to come to terms with. And this sort of correlates what we mentioned earlier you know going into womanhood and like experiencing these teenage years this is sort of just like a reflection of it because it it was such a big part you know it it was something that we both had to come to terms with and had to like work around and figure out so we want to talk about that today I mean I think we've also we've had to acknowledge the male gaze's existence and then also kind of grapple with that idea of the idea that maybe we're constantly going to be sexualized or like like people are trying to get trying to get things out of us just based on our looks um and how we're being societally perceived because 
like Amelia is saying, we're trying to figure out who we are. Um, and I think that we're in kind of some formative years right now where we're trying to figure out like how we're being, how society is looking at us, how we come off to other people. And the male gaze plays a huge part in that. Um, when you're realizing that maybe the way other people are perceiving you is only skin deep. Exactly. And it's sort of dated back to our childhood, you know, like literally being preteens. Mm-hmm. It's you're like constantly sexualized as a woman and it's very terrible feeling terrible experience yeah um Um, i think yeah it goes all the way back to our childhoods like i think that when you're super little like when i was like four and five i was a really big girly girl and i grew up watching a lot of like disney princess movies and you kind of ask yourself the question why are these women protagonists why are they the main characters um and it's because they're superficially beautiful like they they're conventionally attractive and that's the reason that so many little girls look up to them and aspire to be them and so you kind of make that correlation as a child that visual appeal correlates with self-worth um and then I think Amelia and I can both relate on this that we both grew up in very progressive households and our parents would say to us like you're you're worth more than how you look on the outside obviously your worth is and value as a human being is based on your passion your drive your intelligence um and then I think both of us are having this full circle moment where we're like wait a second like maybe being pretty is the price that we do have to pay to be treated with respect in this world as a woman I completely agree and I think that we both have had really similar experiences with this because recently I would say within this past year I sort of saw myself getting so caught up in the way I look and like in you know just like being self-conscious and like constantly thinking about the way that I look because I was so convinced for a minute that you know the only reason that I'm worth anything in this world is it or the only way to be worth anything in this world is to be conventionally beautiful yeah and it's a really terrible terrible cycle that i think so many young girls and and women like everyone goes through and experiences and i think that i'm still learning i i still need to learn you know who i am and that it doesn't define me and like that means nothing it's so superficial but we have been sort of bred to believe this since we were Mm preteens because all it it really does seem that all the world wants from women is their beauty and their sex appeal yeah and i also think that like teenagers and particularly teenage girls are inherently self-conscious like at this stage in our life we're pretty self-conscious we're not really sure who we are and to feel the male gaze's effects play out in our lives i think has probably been been pretty damaging um and i think we can probably give some examples of like how this is particularly playing out in our lives right now um i feel like the dynamics between teenage boys and girls i know like girls go through puberty a lot faster and i can speak for like amelia and i like we look a lot older than a lot of our our male friends do um but i think it's pretty damaging like I kind of had this like weird shallow idea that boys would really only want to interact with me if they wanted to get in my pants and like or like being at a party and like 
guys will only talk to the girls that they think are conventionally attractive. Um, And it's those kind of experiences that really reinforce this idea that your visual appeal correlates to self-worth. And it's so easy to get caught up in. I mean, specifically living in LA also, I think like there's a really weird superficial culture here where everyone is really focused on looks. And I think I can admit that I probably have been caught up in it. Completely. I completely, completely agree. And I definitely agree with that in LA. It's sort of heightened and it's sort of amplified this feeling because people here are so, so obsessed with the way that women look. I mean, yeah, men men feel similar pressures 100%. But it really does seem like men are putting this pressure on women, especially in LA, to look a certain way. And if you look that certain way, you know, you're it. You're in, you, you're set financially. Your life is great because you look a certain way. And it's like that that is everything here is what it really seems like and I hope I really hope that this sort of feeling and this experience doesn't continue into our adulthood into our womanhood I'm sure it will but I'm not sure maybe teenage years are sort of like the heightened effects and like that's the peak of being sexualized and being objectified and feeling this way I'm not sure. We'll yeah, I mean, find out. I think Amelia and I are both questioning, like, are we feeling like the male gaze is at its epitome right now in our lives? Maybe because we're teenagers and we're in a period of like heightened femininity and especially the we'll get into this a little bit later. But I think the ideals of feminine beauty are also surrounded around youth. So it's like for us, like we're 17 and 18. We probably look a little bit older than we are. And we're living in this place that's has a lot of that places a lot of value on the way you look um and we're kind of questioning like this feels like a frenzy like (laughs) is this gonna get any better and I you know what I'm sure it will but I just think it's difficult to kind of come to terms with its existence also right now and knowing that this is probably something we're gonna have to deal with for the rest of our lives as all women do I completely agree and I think that this like the male gaze in this experience has played such a huge role in our upbringing and like in our lives i mean look at the way that men live their lives in comparison to women the male it's like it's just a completely growing up as a boy is a completely experience in growing up as a girl because you have no i mean i can't i obviously can't speak for all boys when i say things by the way take everything don't take anything that literally that seriously because you know, it's not perfect, but the experience growing up as a boy and being a teenage boy is very different than being a teenage girl because for the most part, teenage boys are not being consistently sexualized and consistently treated like objects and like they are worth their body and the way that they look. Yeah. And I think that this affects, like, I think that this probably not only affects your ideas of self, self self-worth as well. Like, for sure, there's a gap between the way that teenage girls look at themselves and the way teenage boys look at themselves. Um, but I think it affects our actions as well. Like constantly thinking about how men are perceiving you. I know for me personally, like it has a big effect on the way I live my life. Like if, I, if I'm walking down the street, like knowing that I'm probably going to be sexualized, like 
by other people on the street like that that makes me scared to walk alone at night that makes me feel constantly unsafe it makes me lock my car door um and you start to kind of get caught up in it and live in fear exactly and this feeling is not empowering Charlotte you have to cough Hold on. <laughs> Scarlett was mouthing to me that she had to cough. Uh, anyway. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this feeling is not empowering, and it's really easy to live in fear and sort of just s- sort of submit to this power, and mm-hmm. it's really scary. It's awful. But how do do you think that this has subconsciously affected you, Scarlett, as like a young woman and as some? someone who's sort of impressionable and young you you know do you think that it subconsciously affected you as you've been trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be in this world yeah well I mean I think that like on the base level like I feel like the male gaze follows me around when I'm just walking around in the world like living my life but I think it also has affected me to the point where it's like I go home at night and it affects how it affects my behaviors it affects also I think most importantly, it's like I'm trying to figure out who I want to be. And if I'm constantly thinking about what like about how to appeal to the ideals of femininity and and the male gaze, that's pretty damaging, too, because you can get lost in that. And I it's it can affect so hard your development as a teenage girl. Um, I think at the end of the day, the male gaze follows us from the streets and right back into our homes. um, And it follows us home even when no one's watching um and it's like so deeply ingrained I think in the back of many people's minds that it's like we're constantly trying to be appealing even if like I'm literally alone and I think that's that's really sad because it's sort of being proven over and over again in media and in all the things that we watch every single day you know when you go home you watch tv you watch movies you can't watch it's like it's just it's just so clear that it men are getting the message that women's bodies are for them yeah the male gaze is everywhere um even when we don't realize it literally is everywhere and i think also there's this idea that maybe i mean okay i think this is a kind of a double-edged sword and i'm not saying that the male gaze is empowering but i am saying it's like it's like, okay, if I wake up in the morning and I feel more pretty, I'm wearing more makeup, I've put more effort into my look for that day, um, will things be easier for me because of the male gaze? Like, is it horrible that this correlation exists between conventional being conventionally attractive um, and like getting farther in life or like being more successful? Um, or having more value as a human? I think that's a horrible and really di- damaging dynamic um but can you use your femininity as a weapon yes I think yes at the end of the day I think you can play the game you can like (laughs) this horrible dynamic exists um but if men have such an obsession with like our girlhood and sexualizing women can we use that to maybe get certain things in life yes completely i think that basically by doing that women are sort of not not necessarily taking back the power but making men the toy you know you take advantage of men's obsessions with the female body and the way that that women look and you use it against them 
And in the eyes of the male gaze, this weaponization of beauty and of femininity works. And But it's important to understand that when you're adopting this mindset in the eyes of men, this strategy is not empowering. It will not change anyone's mind about you. Like It's not an empowering good feeling, but it works because you're seen as fragile and you're seen, seen as that you need a strong man to help, you know? But you can use this awful objectification almost to your advantage. I mean, in LA, you go to any, you walk into the polo lounge, which is a nice, it's in Beverly Hills. It's a Beverly Hills hotel. Exactly. It's their restaurant. You walk in there, the amount of 65 plus year old men with like sagging faces on dates with 19 year old girls is incredible these beautiful beautiful girls and i do not judge them at all i don't i don't really judge either parties definitely don't judge the woman you know get your bag do what you need to do and you they're using their beauty and their femininity as a weapon and they're sort of they're using it to their advantage And I actually think Amelia brings up a really interesting point with this whole sugar baby, sugar daddy dynamic. Um, I think that that can kind of serve as a really good representative of this dynamic that we're talking about. It's like, okay, we have this young woman. um, She's younger. She fits many ideals of femininity. She is beautiful and she's using that to her advantage. Um, But is the older man going on a date with her because he initially appreciates her her intelligence or her drive or her worth work ethic no on the flip side why is this young woman going on a date with this man because he somewhat symbolizes many ideals of masculinity he's successful he is making a lot of money he probably has a job um And that's kind of interesting to compare the different ideals of femininity and masculinity and what defines that. What defines you being the ideal woman or the ideal man? Um, I completely agree. And I think that it's really interesting to see how youth in women is so like it's so greatly focused on, especially in the attraction between women. It's so valued. Yeah, exactly. And so it's I mean, you go. If you go to the Brentwood Country Mart, you go anywhere in West LA, you won't see more than like I've never seen a West LA mom without at least a couple jabs in her forehead, you know, trying to preserve her youth. But how many men do you see with Botox, Scarlet, in LA? Not not as many. many. It's not on the same level. Women's women's looks are culturally focused on so much more than men's. Yet, do I think men's success and his their jobs and their work ethic do i think that is culturally valued more than women's work ethic yes and that's really interesting thing to focus on um and i think that this dynamic it grows up it goes back it's it's deep-rooted it goes back all the way specifically amelia and i can talk about this right now um because we're teenagers it goes back to like almost your childhood it's like when you're growing up the ideals of girlhood you always want to look older like I think both of us can speak for it like we always want to look older we want to look more beautiful older women want to look younger um and so it's like your the ideals of femininity are small statutes smooth skin high voices um 
hairless bodies, innocence, submissiveness. And what I'm saying here is that it's not only skin deep. It's also within the way women are expected to act. I completely agree. And it's it's a terrible it's terrible that men want women to look so young they want young girls and somewhat act young as well it's the ideals of feminine beauty are somewhat pedophilic and that's something you start to realize as a teenager because you are the epitome of all these things we have clear skin like we have high voices we're on the edge of womanhood and we're epitomizing all of these beauty standards i completely agree that it's also not only in the way that girls act but it's i mean girls look but it's also in the way that girls act men want women who are submissive who are breedable who are almost you know like a a a damsel in distress and that is a really that is really scary that men want young girls and it's weird because men the the attraction well you know this is all very surface level attraction very shallow but women are attracted to men you know they men want um like a hairy chest they want like to be a silver fox have gray hair like it's it's completely different they want to show their masculinity by sort of like standing tall and like being masculine and tall and having a deep voice which is a really interesting contrast yeah boys are always trying to develop these more masculine traits they want to be they want to seem bigger they want to seem taller they want to have like they correlate these traits of masculinity almost with power and that's really interesting because there's no feminine equivalent to manhood at the end of the day like we women are expected to be these like weird I mean, not even weird, but like, I think the the ideals are weird. Um, the idea of us being like submissive in the way we're supposed to act, whereas boys are expected to act like powerful and correlate like having making a lot of money or being really hardworking with being masculine. Um, and that's such a big divide. I think it's really damaging. I totally agree. And I think that it's been a really hard journey for the both of us and I think we're still figuring it out but it's been hard to realize that we are worth more than what we look like and you know we're worth more than how men perceive us because there is more to us of course and it's terrible that this is an experience that is so universally felt by so many women and girls around the world I mean I've talked to so many of my girlfriends about this feeling and about feeling this way and all of them have experienced it which is really sad and disheartening but Scarlett and I are both currently working through it so I wish that we could really offer you guys some advice and some insight on how to realize your worth and realize that you are worth more than the way you look but we're still navigating this obviously I think we both know obviously at the end of the day how you perceive yourself is so much more important than how everyone else perceives you and I also think that if you waste your time thinking about how everyone else is perceiving you that will probably end up ruining your life um I feel like that's giving into the male gaze which I don't think is something that we as young girls should be giving into and it's so easy to let that sort of consume you and let let your brain trick trick you into thinking that you know all you need to be focused on is the way you look and it I've experienced weeks that 
like you know sometimes I think about that and sometimes my I feel my brain getting so clogged with this like terrible shit that's like just convincing me that I need to yeah yeah that I need to look a certain way and I'm just constantly criticizing myself saying you know you're not beautiful enough and I'm obsessed with it because that's all that because that's all that I think matters it's an obsession yeah and I think that stems from constantly thinking about how other people think you look um and that's probably because it's it's just so easy to get wrapped up in the idea that the way you look is like correlates with your self-worth um and as a teenager, I think it's just important that we both acknowledge the male gaze's existence um, in order to understand how not to give into it. Exactly. And so just sort of by acknowledging it and understanding it, I think that's the only way that you can kind of get over it. But that will close out our second episode. That's all that we have today. Right, Scarlett? That is all we have for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, but thank you guys for listening and don't take anything we say like super, super serious. Yeah, I, I know the concept of the male gaze is it's like somewhat shallow, but but it's we, also a very confusing topic that we don't have a complete grasp on. We yeah, just are talking. We about don't have all the answers to our questions and, and we're still whole, questioning. Our whole theme for this podcast is like navigating teenagehood um and your place in the world and that's kind of what we're trying to do here so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week Mm